I don't know about you, but whenever the brands Apple and Disney come up in conversation, I can't help but flash back to a fantastic childhood of Disney, and more recently, my last visit to the Apple store, and when am I going to go back there again? In this episode, my guest Ivan Frangie and I talk about how you can design remarkable customer experiences that just have your customers wanting more and more time and time again. Welcome to the Transformation Show, where successful pharmacy owners and technology partners help you to build a better 21st century pharmacy by embracing technology. Here is your host, Robert Starr. G'day everyone and welcome back to Transformation, the only dedicated podcast in the world where pharmacy and technology collide to bring you, the motivated pharmacy owner, all that you need to build your smarter, more successful 21st century business before it's too late. My name's Robert Starr, your host and guide on this fantastic journey of ours, and we're into episode 42. We're nearly at the end of 2015. It's been a fantastic year, and I'm sure you're all looking forward to a well-deserved holiday when you get to the end of it through this Christmas period. We've got a great interview coming your way this week. Nothing's more important to any of us in our pharmacies than customer experiences during December. Everything gets multiplied. We have more customers coming in more frequently because as we all know, everything stops on December 25, but it just happens to magically restart two days later. But certainly our customers are looking to stock up and get everything locked away uh, before they take off on their own holidays and certainly some well-earned time away with their families. So this episode's really gonna show you what can happen when you have great customer experiences and certainly if you can take even a couple of little nuggets and inject that into your pharmacy I know you're going to really enjoy that but more on that very, very soon. Wanted to announce last week's winner, which of course we had a flood of questions come through at the last minute, so I told you I'd hang it over to this week. But this week's winner, or actually last week's winner, which was the episode 40 with Heath Tully, is Kathleen from Toronto in Canada. I'm really excited um, that we've got an international winner, um, and certainly it was a fantastic little comment there. It was only one line, but it was what really really spurned a lot of conversation, particularly on LinkedIn, uh, where it was originally posted. So well done, Kathleen. We'll get that out to you. And I look forward to uh, hearing how you go with everything transformation in 2015. But her question or comment rather was that ultimately, and we're talking about multi-channel and also about creating the ability to have your store online 24-7, is that all customers will want everything within 30 minutes or they'll want it free, much like pizza delivery and so forth. And sorry, I disagree. It's fine to be available for people, but on the end of the app 24-7 is creating an unhealthy expectation. And certainly, Kathleen, I agree. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the episode and providing that great feedback. And certainly, I as far as where we sit, I agree that patients can be really demanding, especially when they are promised something that's easier in which to order and install processes, particularly that haven't been enhanced or optimized to assist you as the pharmacist to deliver this new type of workflow. If we don't do that, we're on a recipe to disaster and I don't recommend anyone does it. And that's why we're talking about some great processes that you can implement successfully in your pharmacy to operate in a multi-channel environment. And we'll cover that in an upcoming episode with Ian Bennett from Pharmacy For You early in 2015. It's essential that the pharmacy team have the necessary tools and the training to ensure patients who choose to engage via an app or a website are acknowledged in the same prompt manner as those presenting in store and that you have the ability to do that so that you can give them a realistic time frame for order completion, in-store pickup or even delivery. But ultimately, our patients, by way of whether they adopt it or not, will really help us decide whether this additional service channel is useful for them. And of course, if it isn't, they just will simply vote with their feet as well. 
This week's winner um, of uh, episode 41 with Fabian from last week. And I just wanted to post a little correction there uh, coming from Fabian this week. He really tried very hard to get Senderscript out to all of you before Christmas. Unfortunately, it'll be relaunched in early 2015. And the winner this from last week's episode was going to get a 12-month subscription, which you will get. And our winner is Bishoy from Victoria. So congratulations, Bishoy. You're a very astute listener to this show and your questions just keep getting harder hitting all the way through and I'll bring you just a little bit of what Bishoy had to uh, put forward but certainly even if you want to go back to see what uh, the response was to Kathleen's question episode 40 so robertstar.com episode 40 or Bishoy's question which is robertstar.com forward slash episode 41 in the discussion at the foot of the show notes and um Bishoy, Fabian will be in touch with you to give you your prize. I can promise you that. And he'll also respond to your question as well. I know that he's just very, very busy getting Senderscript all ready for 2015, but he'll do his best to get that across to you. But as a general overview, and I won't go through the entire Bishoy's question because it is a really good in-depth one, it really centers around the general theme of when we're collecting customer information through apps like Senderscript or even MedAdvisor, is who actually owns that customer information. And ultimately, the way I see this, it needs to be you as the pharmacy owner. You need to retain 100% ownership and any data that gets shared with a third party needs to be on the service agreement that they're helping you utilize that information. But as soon as you're uncomfortable or you want to progress to another application or maybe even build your own, you need to retain 100% ownership of that database. So my advice is, and I'm sure Fabian will have some great examples for you from Senderscript's perspective when he replies to your question, um, is really check your service license agreement with these providers and make sure that you know who owns the data and what is being provided to others and what ownership you retain if you decide to part ways with that company as well. Uh, This week's Pharmacy Freedom Index Insight, and I didn't want to give you something that's huge today because, again, I know we're super busy before Christmas, uh, but what it is, is uh, it's more an announcement as well, is that I'm going to give you your holiday or Christmas gift from me and the Transformation Show to you in the the format of five prescriptions for a stress-free holiday. I know that's something we all look forward to at the end of December and we always grapple with ourselves and probably with our families as well as to whether we can take that holiday because simply a lot of us are just irreplaceable in our businesses and we worry drastically that something will go wrong when we're not there and that we won't be able to keep an eye on it and that if people want to get hold of us they just won't be able to and it will be disruptive on our holidays. I think we've always been on holidays in the past where we've had to keep our phones on, we constantly check email and we just need to utilize some really clever tools that's going to enable us to have that stress-free holiday. I've tried through practice over many years myself and I'm going to give you my best Best practice of how I've been able to achieve that and um, what are you going to get and um, first of all before I tell you what you get you need to know how you can receive it um, so to, in order to get it if you're on the robertstar.com uh, weekly podcast list uh, you will get that under your virtual Christmas tree or just in your inbox on December 25. So you'll be able to unwrap it virtually and get stuck into it during the uh, Christmas break if you like. Uh, Otherwise, it'll be there as soon as you've got some time on the other side of Christmas. But I know a lot of our pharmacies aren't open on December 25, so you might get a good chance to have a really quick look at it. But if you haven't signed up to the list, just head across to robertstar.com, start your transformation journey by entering your contact details in the form on the homepage. You'll also get the first two chapters of transformation when you do that, um, and you'll be able to get that gift from me um, straight away on December 25. Now, in terms of what you're going to get, I'll talk about also why you're going to need it too. Because ultimately, when you go away with your family, and I know I'm preaching to the converted here, you need the freedom to relax and be present with your family. When you go on holidays, you don't want to be connected to your business and take all of the potential stresses you may have or things that you may be 
dreading coming up um, with you when you go away with your family. You want to be there to enjoy them, enjoy the time, and rest and refresh ahead of your best year ever in 2015. But also for you to have the confidence that you can access your team and vice versa, but at a time that suits you and a means that suits you anywhere, anytime around your holiday plans. So what you're going to get from me with your gift is some easy to follow how-to videos of how to install the free tools. I won't tell you what they are now. You'll have to uh, wait to discover those under your virtual Christmas tree. And you heard right, they are free tools. So you'll be able to do those and all of them will literally take you under two minutes to install. I promise you that. And you've already got a smartphone, whether it be an Android or an, an Apple, and you simply will be able to access all of those things directly from that. Or if you have a tablet or if you're taking a computer away, I probably don't recommend that, although I tend to always bring it with me. Um, but um, certainly, I'd be also saying that you'll have the tools to connect to your teams remotely, collaborate and communicate with your team, review important documents, but more importantly, help you disconnect and enjoy your holiday as well. So that's what you're going to get. I know you're going to enjoy it. I can't wait to get the feedback from you as well. And please let me know how I can help you. Because at the end of the day, we've all had a super busy year in 2014. And we just need that time to rest and refresh. Our interview today is with Ivan Frangi. He's the CEO of Customer Says. And their mission is to make sure customers have enjoyable experiences wherever they do business. Whereas if you give people an experience they can't get anywhere else, they won't go anywhere else. Ivan Frangi, welcome to the Transformation Show. Thank you very much. Uh, look, great it's to have, exciting to be here. Great to have you here, Ivan. And um, I know our listeners are going to be in such a treat today. And um, in terms of really how, how we can delight and um, wow our customers in the way some of our biggest retailers that are already around us are leveraging great technology to create magical customer experiences that are unforgettable. So we look forward to our chat and um, I certainly have been for quite a while. So thank you for coming. Thank you very much for asking me. <laughs> and Ivan, I always like asking my guests, um, you know, where, a bit of a backstory as to how you got involved in retail and particularly, you know, why you started to focus on, you know, creating those magical customer experiences. Uh, that's a great question. And for me, it's genetic. Uh, my father started a restaurant in 1956 in uh, Maclay Street in Potts Point. And initially, uh, he was one of the first people because he was a uh, a European, so he brought with him uh, a pizza oven. Um, he wasn't Italian, but his business partner was, and they had a pizza oven and an espresso machine. And in 1956, people in Australia didn't quite know what they were, but they really liked it. And so he then developed that into a restaurant, which became quite well known around the place, a place called the Bonacera. And um, so for years, I grew up in the restaurant industry where it was all about the customer experience and the quality of what you did. And so uh, I went on from there to join the, pharma the pharmaceutical, the financial services industry and uh, was really uh, lucky to have as my first sales manager somebody that your listeners might know of named Alan Pease, who was Mr. Body Language. And I spent a number of years doing that. For the last 23 years, I've been working with SMEs on improving their sales and their marketing and, of course, their profits. Yeah, look, fantastic, and and it's and such a great thing. Like I you know that even that early example you mentioned, you know, early day technology of pizza ovens and espresso machines and things we take for granted now. Every time we turn a corner, particularly particularly in Melbourne, uh, where you just really you bump into a, an espresso machine everywhere you go now. So it certainly you know, has come a long way, and and certainly our our listeners are all at different levels at the moment, and we're starting to see. You know, robotics even come into our pharmacies, even at a lower proportion. That's probably what we're accustomed to seeing, perhaps in Europe. But you know, these these experiences are you know becoming more standard, and uh, customers, I think, are starting to see how that really creates a magical moment where a pharmacist can spend more time with their patients. So always like looking outside of our industry because I think that we can learn a lot from a lot of things that are going around the world. And I know we've spoken off, off air about some of the um, US brands that we might talk about. But what would be, I think, is a good starting point is a great example that perhaps any of our listeners may see in a shopping centre that they shop at recently that, you know, is a good example of, you know, really, as you talk about, 
about you know that high tech high touch business I think that the areas that you see technology coming across in shopping centres and in retail spaces generally is led by um, the interactive things that are happening at the moment. There are lots of apps that are out at the moment where um, if you subscribe to them, what will happen is that you'll be given alerts uh, to let you know that there are specials going on, that there are special things that you could be part of. Uh, promotions and it's all based on the technology that happens because of uh, GPS location so they now know where you are in the shopping center and what you're doing um, I recently saw this at um, the Mona uh, museum in Hobart and I know that there was a conference down there that some of the people might have attended and they give you the little um, iPod that you wander around and you give feedback on each exhibit it's that kind of technology I think which is um, probably becoming most visible. Yeah, absolutely. And any, any retailers that we may be visiting inherently, I know that uh, Woolies are starting to play with the way their app is going to interact in our shopping experiences. And that in theory, they would maybe be able to direct you to your closest possible route to your shopping list and getting that fulfilled. But any any really good examples that you know we could touch and feel right now? Um, there are some examples, and Woolworths is an interesting one because, of course, they have the muscle to spend money on things that some of us probably don't. Um, so they're now in, they're now working with uh, interactive displays that um, they started it with shopping trolleys. So initially, the shopping trolley went past something on the shelf, and if it was in your preferences, um, then you could uh, uh, do certain things with that. Um, but the the one that's probably leading this is Coles. And the reason that Coles is leading it is because of their flybys card. And their flybys card, of course, has the largest amount of data and information on individual purchasing preferences that anybody has. In fact, uh, speaking to somebody at Coles recently, and they were saying that they think that their flybys database is probably the most valuable asset. But based on the fact that they knew what you shopped for most and when you shopped, what they did was to start integrating things uh, based on preference changes. So if you started to buy nappies all of a sudden that you hadn't done before, they started to let you know about information to do with baby products. And it could be that they figured out that because of your age profile, you were uh, a grandparent, for example, and you were starting to, in other words, you're in the age range of a grandparent, you're starting to buy baby things. They started to prompt um, purchases and preferences and items that may well be in that space. So it's that kind of thing that I think is happening. But, but I think there's also an inherent challenge with that. And the inherent challenge with that is the gap between um, the technology delivery and the human interaction. And so that's why my business really looks at the high tech, high touch sections of what happens in business. Yeah, no, look, it, 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 it has to marry in with that customer experience because at the end of the day, when people walk into a, a bricks and mortar retail store, they've got a problem that they're looking to solve. And, uh, and certainly the technology may aid them in being able to find a more efficient route or give the uh, sales assistant the tools to be able to do it more seamlessly. You know, for example, Apple, which we might talk about in a moment, um, but it just has to link together. But I think, you know, also you mentioned, you know, the use of this great customer database. And I think we can see why Woolies caught up pretty quickly in getting their reward everyday rewards out. I think it was only four years ago that they brought that out where flybys were out for a lot longer. Um, but I think, you know, and you might be able to correct me if the example is wrong, but there was an example, I think, in the US, and it might have been Target in the US, where they were looking at the age profiles and the changes, and they got it really wrong with a few key examples where they were sending pregnancy information to young teenagers um, when uh, that mailing list and that was actually correct and it ended up going to their parents which actually created a bit of angst I think. Uh, technology always has its challenges <laughs> when, when you know big data meets intention but let, let's go back to Apple because I think they're a really good example of something that happens um, and that they meld really well. And they're really, when you have a look at Apple, uh, what I talk to people about and help them build their businesses around is a customer experience. And our corporate motto is if you give people an experience they can't get anywhere else, they won't go anywhere else. But there's a reason that Apple does so well. And the reason is choreography. Now, when I say choreography, what I mean is dancing is really easy if you know the steps. So if you have a look at an Apple shop, 
and everybody's been into one. And if you haven't, please go into one just to experience this. With, even if you're, you know, you're an Android user, um, they what they do is to design their retail space in particular ways. So the front section is very much the um, have a look and see section. The second section that they have towards the back of their shops, and they're all the same, is very much the learning section. And in the back, uh, at the very back, is their Genius Bar. And so what they've done is to create spaces where people can touch and play. So if, let me give you a simple example. Um, uh, I needed to go in recently. My phone was flat, but I needed to do some online banking. I knew I was near an Apple shop in Chatswood Chase, so I went in and used their computers to do my online banking. Now, if you go into JB Hi-Fi, for example, if you want to use one of their computers, you have to ask a salesperson for their access code. So Apple said, if the best thing we can do is to allow people to experience our product, uh, JB Hi-Fi's position is different, which is if you want to experience our product, you have to talk to somebody. And so a lot of people will walk up to a JB Hi-Fi I've watched them do it. They'll walk up to a JB Hi-Fi computer, try and play with it. It doesn't work, so they walk away. Apple says, we actually want you to experience our product. Now, in terms of how they choreograph things, Apple's retail spend per square foot of floor space is the highest in the retail industry in the world. They make more money per square foot. Now, why do they do that? Not just because of their technology, because I think their people are on drugs. <laughs> they must be because they're all so happy and they're so helpful. And one of the back reasons is Apple people are not allowed to ask you to buy something. What they mm. have to do, their mission in life is to be so helpful that you will create something called the law of psychological reciprocity, which is if we do enough that nice things for you, you'll do something nice for us. So their store is, is a term that we like, which is very sticky. Mm. People go in and they play there and they stay there. And I think if I have an issue with the work I've been doing with pharmacies over years, and I've done national tours for various companies talking to pharmacies, um, I'd say that some pharmacies aren't sticky enough. Does mm. that make sense? Yeah, no, look, absolutely. And, you know, Apple, you know, you just wonder every time and, you know, you look at you know, particularly around, around, you know, we are in December and, um, you know, when you head up towards Christmas time, it is always their busiest time and uh, retail in general. But the thing that I've always marvelled at, and, uh, and you, might, you might agree, is just the level of calmness in the store. Um, you could have complete anarchy in terms of the amount of people in there and any other retail environment you would think, you know, they're struggling, you know, when you, whenever I've seen a, a busy JB Hi-Fi example you used, it never looks calm. Um, it just looks like people are rushing everywhere. They're getting sandwiched into the corner because the merchandise only allows certain people to line up at the register. But there's always that calmness. And that's where I start to wonder, you know, that's where I think there's a great blend of technology and the ability to be helpful and having that that capability of not having to, you know, run to the back of the store to find out, do I have that in stock or having to, you know, run, run away to go and get a receipt or to get change. So it just works so seamlessly as an Apple product does. Um, it, it does. And I think we have to be a little careful that the, that the design of JB Hi-Fi is, is designed to be frenetic. It's designed to create the um, atmosphere and excitement of do something now. And they've been very profitable. I chose them on purpose because they're one of the few retailers that's maintained their profitability in a very tight and um, difficult market. And if you go back to the choreography, one of the things that you'll notice at, at Apple is that you can see everything. You mm. walk into the front of the store and everything is visible. There are no corners. You can't get stuck. And it's just a different format. Both of them work. It's just a matter of which way you want to design your internal excitement. Well, that, that's right. And, and certainly in, 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 in the pharmacy industry, we often refer to Chemist Warehouse as the JB Hi-Fi of, uh, of our industry. And uh, there isn't an Apple in our industry at the moment. And, and, and that's where, you know, for example, at the very high end, we're, we're looking at, okay, well, you know, how can we design our customer experiences 
where we can remove some of the barriers that have created problems in the past. And that might be the high dispensing counters. It might be the fact that there's a very inefficient flow of prescriptions through from scripts in to someone who data processes, someone who picks the stock, someone who then hands it to a pharmacist, or even to, even worse, handing it to a young pharmacy assistant to do the end uh, transaction where the customer really comes in to talk to the pharmacist. And we've done very well to try and hide the pharmacist out the back for too long so that's where we talk about a lot on this show at the high end of having perhaps robotics to really separate your ability to engage from all of those manual logistics yeah and i must say that i think there's a bit of a dichotomy here and i think the dichotomy is that if you were probably going to um, choose retailers out of a university group that was a high performing group i'm not sure the pharmacy group would be the first group you'd go to. Um, you'd probably go to the marketing students or you'd probably go to the people that are doing business studies or something. And the, the reason is that you have a very um, interesting mix of the need to be um, technologically and technically savvy. And sometimes as a personality group, they don't necessarily match up with those that want to be, you know, the out the front retailers. You, you then add that and you've exactly explained it to the um, structural issues of putting people three steps up and way at the back and all that sort of stuff. Now, is it wrong? No, it isn't. Um, what people have to do is to have to change a little bit. So uh, one of the things that I do is I like to import things from other industries that have done something really well and then see what we can do to uh, open up some kind of opportunity here. So let me give you a couple of examples. And in fact, I, I was recently walking through... Um, uh, Broadway Shopping Centre. I was at the movies down there and I uh, naturally, because I knew I was going to talk to you, I was walking around the... Uh, I went into the pharmacy just to have a look at it mm. and I met John Bronger. Now, John, many of you would know. He's yes. been in the industry for a lot of years. Now, the reason I met him was he was out walking the floor and he was actually out on the floor talking to people and so I stopped him. He didn't know who I was. He still doesn't unless he <laughs> listens to this. Um, and I said, oh, that's interesting. What are you doing out here? And he said, oh, well, I like to walk around and I like to see what's going on. And so I had a bit of a chat to him about his business and the fact that his family was in the business and his daughter runs a pharmacy and they've got them in different places. And I was very impressed that he was actually out there. It's one of the big things that I think that pharmacists could do to raise their profitability and their profile. And the reason is that I think that there are some things that, that, you know, the technology is terrific. And if you have a look at Walgreens in the States and Walgreens have done some, you know, some fabulous things in terms of what they're doing. Um, and in, uh, they've, uh, you know, created a new customer experience where you can order your medications using um, interactive voice technology. And uh, you, they've got their own app that you can use to, to do that. And you don't even need to worry about paying for your medications with your card because they keep all the details on file and they just say, do you want to use the, system, the one we have on file? And it's just simple. Having said all that, um, <clears throat> that's really high tech. And I think that the high touch needs to, be, uh, needs to be brought in. So let me give you a couple of examples out of other industries. Can I do that? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. We love right. doing that on this show. Okay. Well, um, if I take John's example um, a bit further, um, the thing that I think that the technology, if you like, that's, that's kind of missing is the technology of interaction. And I think this has become one of the casualties of the high tech has become the high touch. Now, I spent um, years working with Alan Pease, who's the, the master of communication, and I hope I've learned some things with, from him. But um, let me give you a couple of things that I think are on the horizon that, that will need to be much more high touch. There's a lot more wearable technology that's coming in. I think it's actually one of the, one of the things that's going to happen very quickly um, and one of the things that I think is going to take place that will make a big difference to what pharmacies are doing. And when I say wearable technology, the, the kinds of things that are happening are um, uh, um, uh, tablets, for example, that you take that, that monitor your heart, heart rate and will also let the pharmacist or your medico know whether you've taken your medication. I mean, it's getting to that level. Um, there, I, I saw of a wearable technology, which was a, a, a bra that detects breast cancer. I mean, some of this stuff is very good. But what it's going to require is somebody in store to actually interact with people so that they can 
um, effectively manage the understanding of the customer into what's happening. But, but let me give you a couple of, of classics. Um, a lot of, I, 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 because I've been walking around watching pharmacies recently, one of the big things that I think is, is missing is a number of pharmacies I went into give people a script and they say, that'll, you know, the script is handed in. Oh, that'll be, you know, five to 10 minutes or 10 to 15 minutes. Why don't you go for a walk and come back? And my response is, are you crazy? <laughs> You've got people who are, re- you're sending them somewhere else to do some shopping? You, you, I'm sorry, that just doesn't work in my business. Um, and I was recently in um, Egypt doing some touring around and I went into a number of shops in, in the oldest part of Cairo, which is called the Halili Markets. And it's the old kind of biblical look of things. And every shop I went into, if I stayed long enough and showed any kind of interest, they handed me a, a cup of um, black tea. And I, I thought, this is really interesting. But when they do it, here's the logic behind it. If somebody gives you something like that and it's hot, of course you're going to have to wait for it to cool mm. down and, and drink it. So what do you do? You're effectively stuck. Now, in a really <laughs> nice way, you're stuck. So the oldest culture in the world says the, the best way to get you is to, to make you stay. So I was talking to uh, Gary Snow, somebody many of you may know, and Gary came up with a great idea, which was, um, you know, everybody now can have a coffee machine. What would be the problem of going to customers and saying, while you're waiting for your script, would you like a tea or coffee? And use one of those instant machines that just pumps it out and and give somebody a coffee. They're not going to go anywhere, if you, especially if you put it in a mug. Don't put it into something that's paper. <laughs> put it into a mug so they have to stay and they won't leave. And so if you have the right kind of environment, what they're going to do is they're going to walk around with your mug or they're going to sit in the seat that you provide them, which many of them do, and they're going to go and do some other purchasing, especially if you prompt them. Well, while you're here and you've got your coffee, why don't you have a look around and see if there's anything else you'd like or point them to something because you happen to know them well enough. And one of the things that we know from the studies that are being done is when people walk around, they find things. They're not impulse purchases because impulse happens at the cash register. They are actually purchases that happen because people are walking around. Plus, you've got the law of psychological reciprocity says, I've done something nice for you. You're going to now do something nice for me. Does that kind of make sense as an example? Yeah, no, look, absolutely. And, you know, it, it's quite often something that, um, you know, I think some pharmacies I have seen, and it has been fairly rare, have even had the coffee machines in their pharmacy just to take away that sterile medicine-like smell. Um, oh, yeah. and and certainly, you know, when people have that coffee type smell, they get a little bit hungry, they get a little bit more impulsive, they buy things. And, you know, just from hearing about the way other retailers have potentially used that, but absolutely. And, and certainly it's it's part of that premium relationship as well. Pharmacy is a premium, premium relationship. And Well, let, let me take that to the next level for mm. you. And the next level is a... Uh, a a cafe called Scargo. Now, a friend of mine named Max Hitchens is in the hospitality business and he puts out some great stuff. He's a hospitality doctor. And I love reading his stuff because he gives me ideas. Now, um, Scargo is a, uh, a coffee business, uh, not a coffee business, it's a cafe, a restaurant kind of place in um, America. I think they're in the, in the New England area somewhere. I can't exactly remember. But what they do once a year at Christmas time is they have a free wrapping service. So if you bring all your presents in while you're having lunch, we'll wrap them for you. So they set aside a table space and they have a couple of teenagers come in and wrap things. And I thought, mm, that's really interesting. What could a pharmacy do with that? Pharmacies and a lot of them, I know some of you do, some of you don't, but a lot of you have big areas where you have gifts and things that you want people to buy. Why not offer a free wrapping service? Now, they do it, Scargo does it at Christmas time, but you could do it at any time. And um, all you do is you say, if you spend more than X, we'll wrap it for you. Now, do you need somebody who is going to do that? Yes, it's going to, t- I can hear the, the mm. people going, yeah, but it's going to take me time and I have to take somebody off something else. Look, you'll have to do the economics of it. I get that. Yeah. But even if you offer a place where, Here's the wrapping paper and the sticky tape. And if you want to wrap it yourself, you can do it. Like, you know, the, the, the self-serve checkout. There's no reason you couldn't do that. One of the other things that I saw that I thought was brilliant, um, and if Max didn't give it to me, somebody else did, was um, they had customers who created, uh, they had a baking competition. So what they did was, so if I add the coffee 
to the opportunity for a baking competition, what they did was they had this month's best cake. And so people would come in and they'd bake some cakes and they'd say, well, here's the recipe competition. Which one did you like? And so what they're really doing is to create a community feel where there's lots of stickiness. In other words, people come back. And that really is the important stuff that I think that some of the pharmacies are missing out on because it's very much a, a you know, a, a, a process and push out the door. Now, is it likely for everybody? Maybe, maybe not. But it's certainly things that can make your business more sticky. Well, absolutely. And, you know, we talk a lot about moving away from being a transactional business and back into what really was the underpinning culture of pharmacies in the 1800s, which was as a community hub. I know there's a lot of great stories coming out of the old drugstores in the US of the soda fountains and what that did for every community Mm -hmm. in that people would come in, they would share what's going on, they'd have a soda, they'd sit around, spend a lot of time. And, you know, it's, it's not far removed from what we were just talking about and having cups of tea or coffee in that it gave them a reason to stay stay around and um, you know engage with the, engage with the team but it certainly is a changing role I know you mentioned wearables a little bit earlier and that was a couple of episodes we've spoken about this year we've spoken about Google Glass and particularly also the proliferation of Fitbits and Jawbones um, and eye health as well and all of these devices that are now spitting out lots of data that can go into our personally controlled electronic health records, even Apple Health. But where we've isolated is I think pharmacists have moved from, you know, being the uh, information givers to being the information translators and actually helping patients understand more about themselves. The the very fact that they're engaging in wearable technology is a a reason that they want to learn more about themselves. But I think pharmacists end up being a great facilitator in being able to help them on signposting them to the appropriate health professional or just being that filter of information that people get flooded with every time they punch something in on Google. So it's, it's, yeah, a, it's a really you. interesting change. I, I actually think it's got a little worse than that for pharmacists. And I think the challenge is that, you know, years ago there used to be a, you know, a, a, a horse and cart or the, you know, the, the, what do they call those things, the buggy drivers who used to drive people around and the buggy driver was in charge and the passengers were taken where they want. And then cars came along and the passengers started to drive their own vehicle (laughs) and the buggy driver wasn't necessary anymore. And the challenge, I think, has happened in education and I think it's happening in retail. It used to be that the teacher was the font of knowledge and you sat and listened to them because they had all the information. The challenge now is that, of course, there's more information around it than ever has been. So the students are driving the lectures in some cases and in, in retail, and especially in healthcare, the customers, the clients, the patients, whatever, um, because, because of Google, they think they know lots of stuff. And the, the challenge is the gap between information and knowledge, but then there's a, the gap between knowledge and wisdom. And the good news is old school is the new school, hmm. that if pharmacists are very sensible and strategically um, uh, placed, then what they can do is to intercede in that and then put themselves back in the place of the wise versus the place of the information. And let me give you a specific example. And if you take Apple again, Mm. um, one of the pharmacies that I saw, um, and it was overseas, wasn't here, it was actually in Europe. What they did was to set up something a bit like, uh, uh, what's that thing at the back of the the, um, genius bar? Yep. They set up a genius bar for all of the questions that people might have about technology because they had a person who was pretty much a bit of a geeky person. That's okay. And it wasn't the pharmacist necessarily, but they had a a kind of a geeky person on staff who started to take an interest in the wearable technology and they were across it. So what they did was they facilitated the interaction between people who had this new stuff and didn't know quite what to do with it. And then they facilitated the, the knowledge and the wisdom between if this is what you've got, this is the way that you'll get the best benefit from it. So it was kind of an in-house genius bar, if you like, that you'll see in Telstra shops and all the other places. Apple does it best, but it doesn't matter. You can do it elsewhere. Yeah. And I think this is the other area that, that is, is taking place. But, but let me kind of move you to one other area that I think, if I may, just kind of divert a bit. Sure. And that is the other technology that's really hitting people. And the other, t- the business that grows, thrives and survives works on repeat business and referrals. We all know that. But the next place that's happening is reviews. 
And um, a lot of people now, about 96% of people based on latest studies, are now um, Googling everything before they go anywhere. And customer reviews are now becoming uh, the latest thing that is changing what's happening. So let me go outside the industry again and yep. come back in. Sure. Starwood Hotels in the States um, are using customer reviews. Now, customer reviews are very simple to get. Um, if people are interested, we have a, um, a business that does this automatically because it can be hard to do it. But allowing for that, um, Starwood Hotels are now using customer reviews to change their um the way they renovate their properties. And let me give you an example for the ladies out there that are listening that have ever been into a hotel bathroom with all the beautiful bright lights and it's been designed by some fabulously, incredibly wonderful and well-known designer and it doesn't work when you're trying to put on your makeup because the light's in the wrong place. And so what Starwood did was to say they put in a, 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 a company-wide review system where they not only got customer feedback, they got online reviews so that they posted them to say that their properties were very good because everybody Googles and trust is the new uh, um, currency. So what they did was they took all their customer reviews in various places, but I'll stick with the lights in the bathroom, and they then renovated their, they got their designers back in and said, the feedback we're getting is women can't use this to put on their makeup effectively, so redesign the lights so that they work for women putting on their makeup. So they're actually using customer feedback and the reviews they get about their property. They then go back and ask the question, we've changed the lights, How is, what's the new experience like? They get the online reviews, which of course spread all over the internet, and they're now changing their properties. Um, one of the things that I think is, is missing in the pharmacy industry, particularly is the online reviews, where people, even if it's just feedback, if you turn it into online reviews, it's incredibly more powerful. And if people want to know the information, they can send me an email at the end. But if you use reviews, then you can change things. But that's not the key. The key is, here's what you told us, here's what we did. Yeah. Now, a number of online communities like Dell and you mentioned Woolworths before, Woolworths now have the community um, looking after itself because people post problems and you'll see it with washing powder manufacturers where they're saying, you know, here's the problem stain I've got, how do I get it out? And it's actually the community that answers, not the customer, not the, um, not the company. So I think the, the other major opportunity is the visible change based on customer feedback. So people feel they have an equity in where they do business. So let me just run mm. that quickly again. You ask for information, you use customer reviews to get it. You post the reviews to show that you are listening so that other people who are online can see those things. You then change things based on the reviews and check to see that what you've changed is actually what the customers wanted. So it's effectively old school being the new school. Years ago, it used to be the pharmacist knew everybody, they'd tell them. Now we add technology, but still end up with that high touch result from using a high tech issue. Yeah, look, absolutely. And I think even Starbucks have a great ideas fountain that they have online where they capture information and then make changes. But you're right, it's, it, it's realistically... Yeah, can I just stop Yeah, that's all right. Yep. And, and look, it, I saw this yesterday. I was working with a, a customer who has an organic business, you know, an organic um, cafe. And they got all excited and they said, our business is organic. And I said, that's terrific. And they, they kind of went... What they were implying was, because it's organic, I have this major marketing opportunity. And the answer is they didn't. And here's the question. Is your business good? And this is the thing that people get, you know, because you have a pharmacy doesn't mean people are going to come and do business with you. Yes, they need your scripts. I get that. But I said to the guy in the organics, look, is your food good? And he said, what do you mean? He said, but it's organic. And I said, well, so what? <laughs> if it's not good. So I flipped the question over and said, if Heston Blumenthal ran your business, do you reckon the food would be outstanding and interesting? And he said, yes. Okay. So is your food outstanding and interesting so that people want to come back and experience it again? And he kind of gave me that really sad look of, oh, I thought it was good enough just being organic. And the answer <laughs> is, just because you run a pharmacy doesn't mean that it's actually good and sticky and people want to come back. Huh. I, I was very fortunate the, a couple of weeks ago, uh, last week, to go to the um, RX Group uh, uh, Christmas function. 
and it was fantastic. And the people there were so excited about delivering customer experience. And um, it was uh, John uh, Loveridge and Alex Wee, who were the managers yep. in the, uh, there, who many people will know. Yep. It was really so goes the leader, so goes the team. The, they were excited about their business. Their teams were excited about their business, and you could see it and feel it. So my question would be, is your business good enough that people are excited to come back because they really want to, because it's fabulous and exciting and wonderful? Or is it just a pharmacy? Yeah, and, and look, to be honest, on the on the whole, I think we're probably just pharmacies. Um, traditionally, we've gone very passive in the way a lot of owners are operating their pharmacies. It was always just good enough for the last you know, 15 to 30 years to just simply open your doors and have a prescription counter at the back and just invite people to come in because you were convenient, you were local, and people had to come and have their prescriptions. But now that there's so much more choice, there was the entrance of discounters, they've put their pitch their flag on uh, low price and no one's really pitched their flag on high value and high interaction. So I think it's about rediscovering also, you know, what really created that pillar of the community which is what the pharmacy traditionally always was even in the 1800s when they were compounding pharmacies and they had to create everything themselves and had to listen a lot more and you know I know you talk about you know the way technology can drive the customer feedback but you know going back you know how a lot of our older owners may have looked at this is you know why you had customer feedback boxes and how frequently you might actually look inside those boxes and take those ideas and demonstrate that you've done something with them because realistically um, you know pharmacists they're not the greatest shop fitters they're not the greatest retailers but our customers are the ones that are driving everything and I think we see that everywhere around the world and that's why we talk about the realistically the only sustainable competitive advantage being that patient-centric pharmacy and what you've outlined there is an exact reason of how they can go about it. Yeah, and I, look, I, I think this, this comes back to why uh, the customers that I have say to me, look, Ivan, we love you because you steal things from other businesses and bring them into ours. And that's, that's great. But the, the, the central question is, is your business really good? Yeah. I mean, that, that really is the question. Because, and I go back to Starbucks because Starbucks is actually losing money and going out the door. Yeah. And the reason is the coffee's crap. Yeah. You know, and Australians won't put up with crap coffee. Americans might well, but they're coming across but you, you know, you'll notice that Starbucks didn't do well in Italy, no. um, because they're just not good enough. You know, the marketplace says you're just not good enough. There is an enormous space in the market for somebody who's really good. And so, when I'm working with clients and we're working on their customer experience, the, the customer experience is made up of three things: it's what your customer values, how different you are, and how many advocates you have. In other words, how many people are talking about you and really getting things through. And and those are the three things that we work on. And in a lot of cases, there's not a lot to tinker with. There are a couple of really important things. And when I'm working with clients, if you tinker with those, you can make enormous gains. But people try and do too many things too, too fast. And a lot of it comes back to the people. You mentioned the people at Apple. Everybody thinks they're on drugs. <laughs> and, and the reason is they're all so nice. But they've been trained to be that way. It, it's a lot like choreography in a marketplace. Yeah. Um, and if you get on an Emirates, flight or a Singapore Airlines flight it doesn't matter where you start and where you finish the in-flight experience is the same yeah and because it's been designed that way and if I have one thing I'd like to leave with your customers the people listening it is is this you know design your experience don't just have it happen because you happen to have Sally who's good today who happens to deliver the good experience one of the things that that we spend a lot of time working with my clients on is what are the measurable behavioral factors that good people use when they're delivering great experiences? What are the measurable things your processes can do and your technology can do? And if we meld all those things together, let's choreograph this and have it happen on purpose rather than by accident. So if Sally doesn't happen to be here today, it's a different face, it's a different customer, but the customer experience is the same. Yeah, yeah, I 100% agree. And, you know, I think a lot of our owners will be nodding their heads thinking that, you know, everything works so well, customers are always a lot happier when I'm talking to them because I've got a long relationship with them. I know all about their family and so forth. And realistically, if they're open seven days a week, 12 hours a day, 
you can't be there all the time. Um, and so those systems have to translate into how your team's going to support you and how you're going to be able to deliver that experience. And, you know, as we've spoken about on this show, even by implementing, you know, a basic customer loyalty system or even a customer relationship management system to be able to capture those key information so that you're continuing conversations rather than restarting them and asking people to rediscover what the problems were um, it just makes such a massive difference as to how people are perceived and as we've spoken about apple and i think apple might think we've got some uh, shares in, shares with them the way we talk Wish about we them did. but oh i would have loved loved to but you know you, you just see how it's such a seamless experience that if you come into one of their stores having interacted online they know exactly what your problems are and it's just a continuing conversation rather than Oh, so why are you here today? <laughs> and, the, and the important part about that is it's not an accident. It's no. a designed experience from beginning to end. And it's also their recruitment. Uh, one of the pieces of technology that's happening in the pharmacy industry, which I think is really undervalued, is profiling of candidates. Now, let me just give you a very quick overview mm. of this. Um, <clears throat> I did some work in the insurance business for many years. And uh, one of the things that happened was it was very high turnover. You'd you know, get people to uh, come and uh, work in the insurance business and 90% of them would fail. And so some insurance companies in America did some things where they looked at profiling people who had the success criteria before they started, before they even put them on. So instead of having 5,000 people and 90% of them failing, they put on, now they're putting on 12,000 people and 74 percent of them are succeeding because they're profiling and so what what you can do now is you can take the guesswork or a lot of the guesswork out of what you're doing with your recruiting and so you know rather than oh they were a nice person and and you know we thought they were pretty good why don't you actually use some technology which is not expensive to use well it's expensive if you don't use it because the turnover cost is very high mm. but if you profile people beforehand now people in the pharmacy industry are doing this for privacy reasons I won't tell you who they sure. are but they are profiling people before they put them on the job so there might be 10 candidates and those 10 candidates you might take down to three even though 10 of them look pretty good by the time you do the profiling it's probably only two or three that you actually want and the profiling is done by job role so what we find is that um, the turnover rates reduce enormously so the, the people produce 38 to 45% better results, but the turnover rates dropped to it's 72% it's lower turnover. And so one of the things that, that you, know, you, you, you can do is to profile people using some technology beforehand so that you get the right people in the right place doing the right job. And I think this is one of the things that uh, I was talking to um, Sue uh, uh, Muller, is it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. From Locum Co. And... You know, we were talking about things and she said, look, a lot of the pharmacists say, well, it's expensive to use you to recruit people. Um, and my response is it could well be. But Sue's got 25 years of experience in the business. Mm. And so she's likely to weed out people that you might well put on because she's got an experienced eye at getting rid of them. But also if you, if you add the, you know, the technology behind it, what you can do is to end up with much better results so that you're not replacing and, and retraining people. So if you add those two things together, the experience of someone, I know there are more people that do it, but I, I happen to know, so 25 years of experience there, and then you add some technology. It really is that high tech creates the high touch because you get the right people doing the right things. And the important thing is it's not an accident. This is a designed experience. This is, look, if I could, if I could give your listeners one thing, Design your experiences. Don't just have them happen by accident. Apple does it. Uh, JB Hi-Fi, we talked about, they mm. do it. They do it using a different template, but yeah. they do it. Um, if, you, if you look at your business more like a hospitality business, you'll end up making different choices about how you treat things. Absolutely. We actually often talk with hospitality of how there's, you know, a real, a real similarity in the way you've got the, uh, the kitchen counter, you've got the kitchen with the, uh, all the dispensing. If you marry that back to pharmacy and the workflow of how, you know, the waiter taking the order goes into the kitchen and the food comes back and, you know, the, the, the really nice experiences that people have in restaurants. It's not a, it's never, there's never a, uh, a dull moment in, in what you're doing in the restaurant. And there's certainly no, 
can't come back in 10 minutes and uh, we'll, we'll have your food ready. It's a case of, okay, let's have a, let's have a glass of wine and all that type of thing. So mm. you can create those great, great experiences. But Ivan, what, what technology would you, would you recommend to help with profiling? Um, would you just simply be, you know, perhaps even, you know, doing social media searches, um, different, different recruitment uh, resume databases that people can tap into like Seek or Career One? Um, look, I think that's absolutely the way that you do it. And um, if you have a chat to some of the recruiters like Locum Co, what you'll find is they use all those. And then what they do for the pharmacies is to sort everybody. Um, I know that uh, there was a job done recently for one of the major groups. Again, I won't name them. Hmm. But there were, like, there, were, uh, there were something like four to 600 resumes came in because they were a known brand name and people wanted to do it. Now, I don't know anybody in the pharmacy industry that wants to sort through Four to six hundred resumes. Yeah. So, it, it, the, and that technology was on using the various platforms that are around for finding people. Yeah. But then you've got to sort and sift, and that's actually the important bit. The technology is kind of the you can create lots of traffic. The question is, what are you going to do with all that traffic when you get it? So, yes, there are a couple of uh, there are a couple of different profiling systems. They have different um, applications depending on what you want to do. Some of them have been more field tested than others. Um, so if people want to drop me an email, if they're interested, mm. I can certainly do that. I know we've got some details at the end. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's fine. Um, <clears throat> the reason I'm not I'm not kind of getting too excited about which one is because they have different applications. Yeah. And so um, if you go down the wrong path, you end up spending a lot of time with the wrong one. Um, it's a bit like, you know, Google and or Android and Apple. You, once you get in an ecosystem, you tend to stay there. <laughs> um, and so there's that. But I would say... The technology that people could use most effectively and quickly uh, would be get some kind of customer feedback. And you can use all the way from SurveyMonkey down to a company called Trackback, which is uh, they'll put your feedback online and turn it into online reviews, which means that your online presence is better, which is all good. Um, but the other things that I think uh, uh, people need to have a look at are um, there are some apps in the marketplace. I know uh, uh, API and, and the, the gloriously named Fred yeah. um, are trying uh, a couple of things there. And uh, I love the fact that Fred installed their first app at, 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 in Spotswood. I thought that was just wonderful. I <laughs> thought that was just you know so so nice in terms of the you know the acne industry goes there. Um, but uh, uh, I think the technology that needs to be put in is very much the technology of customer experience. And I, look, I know that. That's my hammer. So everything I see tends to look like a nail. Yeah. Um, I get that. But but really, the, the the thing that I would say is choreography. It's not so much about the technology, and I'm going to kind of step back and contradict myself. It's not so much about the technology. It's about which bits of it are going to be the best ones for you so that you end up with an experience like an airline that it doesn't matter where you start and where you finish or who, the happen, who happens to be the in-flight service person today the experience remains constant. It's robust and it's repeatable and reliable and your customers are always feeling excited because the, our, as a, go back to our company philosophy, if you give people an experience they can't get anywhere else, they won't go anywhere else. And that, that, that's pretty much it. And then there are the building blocks you put in to use that. Absolutely. And I think, I think the most magical moment we could ever create for our patients is when we make them feel like whenever it is that they, they decide to do business with us, whether it's online, whether it's through the phone, or whether they come into any of our stores, is that they, we make them feel like we only ever had one role that day, and that was to look after them and to find the best possible solution to ensure that they stayed in good health for as long as possible and uh, were able to do you know, liaise through the health system the best way possible rather than, you know, being given, you know, maybe 10 seconds of time and, you know, told that, you know, we're only part of the solution that they need to seek it somewhere else. And I think it's, you know, such a, such a great moment in time for pharmacy at the moment where we are transforming. And I, I use that as a pun on this show quite a lot um, in that <laughs> um, we have to transform into these customer hubs and that, you know, we, our roles change. And, you know, as we've talked about, a lot today, um, you know, into that trusted advisor uh, where we're providing insight and, and knowledge as opposed to just more data and more problems that uh, make life more complicated. And uh, certainly if we've got the fundamentals 
then you know we should have the ability to scale and grow that experience anywhere anytime like you say so now it's been fasc- fascinating Ivan and um, ter- terrific and just before I, before we finish up I always like asking this one and what what would you foresee we've spoken about a lot of game changing technologies already but what would be the biggest game changing technology that if time and resources were no barrier would you love to see implemented in pharmacies and let alone businesses today uh, the one that would create most profit. Uh, the one that would create most profit. I'm, I'm actually going to give you something that may or may not you may or may not see as technology. Yeah. Um, it is the technology of interaction, and one of the things that I see in business now is that the tail is wagging the dog. The IT department is is running things a lot more than perhaps it should be. And from that wonderful um, little. Britain show where the fellow kept saying, oh, computer says no. <laughs> um, I think that the, the technology that needs to be installed is the customer-facing technology that sometimes has been lost or put aside. And when I say the technology, there are certain behaviours that the top 1% of people who make the most money for a business use and interact with. And if you install those behavioural templates, um, then you can change your profitability much faster than installing technology because technology needs to be understood and worked with. So I'm actually going to go to the human technology, which is the uh, the installation of behavior templates where we know what the best people who interact with customers do to make sure that they end up with um, outcomes that are not only profitable, but they're more than satisfying their, their, um, their interactions that make people want to come back and do it again. Walt Disney said this, Walt Disney said, I want to do something that is so good and create experiences that are so wonderful that people will want to come back and do them again. But when they come back, they'll bring somebody else and everybody pays. Mm. Mm. And that's pretty much what I think. And if you have a look at that, lots of technology at Disneyland, lots of technology at Apple. And the thing that really keeps people coming is the human technology of the interactions they create. So that may be an unusual answer for you and it may not be what you're after, but um, there are behaviour templates. They're easy to install. Well, and that's where I think uh, uh, absolutely really make a leverage. And I, and I think you know, you Disney and Apple are just two fascinating ones. Where anyone who's ever had an experience with either brand, you know, you just can't wait to have your next experience with them. Um, and whether that be through the you know ever expanding way that Disney have branched into cruises and all sorts of other areas you know that people just can't wait to get involved and to see what comes next and you know i'm always amazed whenever apple launches a new product that uh, it may only have a slight little improvement on the last but it still attracts the same crowd the same experience and uh, people are magnetized and uh, if we can do that for our pharmacies half as well as either of those two brands it will be uh, absolutely sensational so now thank you very much today ivan i think we've been spoiled rotten um, and we've just taken so much away and it does always come back to the customer and creating those great customer experiences so look forward to following your journey and uh, hopefully have you back in the not too distant future well thank you now there's a couple of giveaways that i have for people to make life a little easier absolutely can i mention those yes yes you can um i created a tool which is a customer experience audit tool which in about five minutes will tell you where you are on the scale of um, four different sections of your operation so that you can figure out where your gaps might be and what you might be able to do to address them. So uh, if they send, uh, what is the best thing to do? Send me an email? Is that the best thing to do? I can do that. Or if you yeah. like, I can or put a link in the show notes for you. Great. Okay. So put a link in the show notes there. Yep. Um, and also um, what I've already sent to you is, is two articles that I wrote. One of them is what is a customer experience? And the second one is how do you design one? So uh, anybody that uh, would like to know if you uh, you have the ability to send those out, yeah. and uh, so that's fine. And yeah, well, uh, I just want to make sure it's easy for absolutely. people to get extra information. Absolutely, we'll put these in the show notes, and you can grab that uh, when from robertstar.com. That's great. Thank great. you very much. It's been a fabulous experience. Fantastic. Thanks, Ivan. Thanks, Robert. Well, as we touched on at the beginning of that interview, it was all about covering high tech high-touch selling and really making that tech fit into the background like it was never there, but you could never do without it if you knew it was there. My three key learnings, number one, design your experiences. Make it on purpose. The biggest brands in the world 
Apple, Disney, great examples we spoke about in our interview are doing this every single day. And everything they do that you think just works so seamlessly doesn't happen just because it just happened without without planning. It's a specific plan. Everything that they do in their service offering is planned. And I dare say I challenge you to create the same for yourself. And that might be how you engage a customer when they come in, what technology you involve, how you can make it easier for them and create remarkable experiences, which ultimately are worthy of being remarked upon. So think about those, plan the experiences, and I'm sure you'll be able to see some great gains there in your pharmacy. Number two, as I love doing, look outside the pharmacy industry. Hospitality is such a fantastic one because it's a premium relationship. And our pharmacy relationships with our customers are premium relationships. And restaurants wouldn't survive if they weren't able to do that. So I challenge you to look next time you go out for dinner and just look at the similarities between a waiter taking your order, scripts in, going into the kitchen, being the dispensary, and coming back in the presentation and the time that the staff take to cater to your needs and to listen to what they want. I believe you you me, every restaurant that you've ever been to where you want to go back to over and over again have done something remarkable. And it's our job in our pharmacies to do that for our customers. And that just well could be making them feel that we existed in that pharmacy and we opened our doors that day be just because we came to serve them. And if we can leave our customers with that, then price becomes irrelevant and it creates magical moments that will engage with them emotionally and that will create the best experience you could possibly have and the best competitive advantage you may have moving forward. And the third thing that I wanted to, to touch on, which I felt was just a great learning, I think, for all of us, is the ability to get our customers to collaborate collaborate with us in creating the design and the experience in our pharmacies. We just spoke about designing our customer experiences, but how do we do that and how do we involve our customers in it? Because purely we talk about being a patient-centric pharmacy a lot on this show, we can't do it if we aren't talking to them and we aren't connected to them. And also connecting our suppliers and our healthcare partners to that vision as well so that what we create is something that's worthy for the community, not just for ourselves or perhaps for a larger chain of stores across the nation that just want to look and feel exactly the same. It always needs to fulfill the needs of the community because if it doesn't fulfill the needs of the community, then it doesn't exist and it's not worth anything to anyone in the community. So we need to remember that and we need to leverage great technology that Ivan mentioned. Things like SurveyMonkey, you can send, we spoke about that quite a number of episodes ago and I'll put a link in the show notes for that episode as well, that we can ask our customers questions. What do they want? What ideas do they have? And validating those by telling them what we did with them and how some of our best ideas come from innovation. One of the questions that I go into in the Pharmacy Freedom Index is what programs or protocols have you developed as a result of your customers in the last 12 months? And the reason we ask it is to determine how patient-centric your pharmacy really is. So never forget that. And always remember that the best ideas that have become big brands and big products sometimes just came from meeting and solving a problem from one patient in a particular location as well. So never forget it. We exist for our patients. Our patients are our bosses. And if we help, if they help us to create a more remarkable pharmacy experience, they'll be coming back every single week. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode of Transformation. Don't forget, we've got some great interviews coming up. We bring you number one in the cloud, zero, as I chat with Amanda Fisher from Connected Accountants, how to implement the key processes of a successful multi-channel pharmacy. I'll talk to Ian Bennett from Pharmacy for You, and also how you can maximize your success in 2015 with a virtual financial advisor on board as I interview 
you, Peter Sackerson from RSM Bird Cameron. I know you're going to love those. They're blockbuster episodes coming up very, very soon. Make sure you leave a comment in the show notes. There's always space at the bottom. I read and respond to every one of them. And my guests like Ivan today, we're always happy to respond to those questions individually. And you may even take home a sensational prize. You can also put your comments in in, uh, transformation.com.au. Join the community and I'll answer your question tomorrow. Or if you have the other questions, you might get them answered in an upcoming episode. Have a great week, everyone. I hope you enjoy the festive period with your family and your teams. And I look forward to speaking to you again next week. Bye for now.